Welcome to the Audacious Generosity Podcast. Here we celebrate giving without the pressure to give. Audacious Generosity is where God is the giver and giving depends on what God puts into your hands. Now, here's your host, Kevin White. Hello, this is Kevin. It's February the 9th, 2021. And I welcome you to your weekly dose of audacious generosity where God is the giver and giving depends upon what God puts into your hands. Huge shout out to our newest listeners in the USA, India, Thailand, Pakistan, Lithuania, South Korea, Iran, the Alan Islands. Thanks for subscribing and reviewing the show. On today's episode, I'm going to share with you excerpts of an incredible interview for Spiritual Life and Leadership Podcast with Marcus Watson, which aired on January the 5th, 2021. Marcus skillfully helped me share my story of transformative loss. You'll want to catch the whole interview on the Spiritual Life and Leadership podcast with Marcus Watson. But right now, here's a few excerpts. When do you feel truly alive? I would say in the presence of my family, my wife and I have been married 33 years, and our kids are now all adults. 30-year-old son, Zach, 27-year-old daughter, Courtney, and 25-year-old daughter, Kaylee. And when they come home now and we're all under the same roof is really whenever I feel most energized. I love being a dad. I'm now a grandfather in 2020. That's been one of the Mm -hmm. blessings of this year. Our very first granddaughter was born January the 25th before everything shut down and uh, so her birth was a great positive experience we were all there with her and then we she's been like the stress ball reliever of 2020 just watching her grow she's now 10 months old she's already walking and just watching her take solid foods and all of that's just been a great joy my family is just really those moments that i feel truly alive being with them what would a mirror opposite of yourself be like i am always been a where there's a will there's a way personality and so i think the mirror opposite would be that person that's the uh, quote debbie downer of uh just full of doubt and it can't be done type personality i would think that that would be one of the opposites of of kevin white well good i'm glad you're not a a downer that's great (laughs) i I try not to be obviously with a million and a half people dying as a result of covid Mm -hmm. you can't do anything but sympathize with those who are suffering and i do truly sympathize but i actually get annoyed with people who really treat 2020 as one of the years of a curse uh Mm -hmm. for for us i totally get the uncertainty in our in our culture but for people of christ We don't live in a culture of uncertainty. A pandemic shouldn't be able to come in and really rattle our cage the way that it has, unfortunately. Yeah, well, and that's a good transition into uh, what we're going to be talking about today. You have personally lived through times of uncertainty, and it's... uh, Based on, uh, you know, when I read your book, it sounds like that has been very 
formative for you. Why don't you tell us your story? I look back and I had really a turbulent childhood um, growing up. My parents divorced whenever I was 12 and uh, I, I was a very insecure child. Uh, I talk about it even in the book, how I wet the bed till I was seven years old. And uh, I, we lived on a small farm and the family rooster would flog me like crazy. And I would cower to every school bully and it was just there was a number of things that made my childhood be very traumatic but then one of the first messages i ever preached after god really got a hold of my life whenever i was 17 years old in high school um the first message was on that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And I could really look back as I was writing and see how that verse had really tracked with me throughout my entire life and set a foundation for for God's gift of courage in my life and just uh, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit by at times just having the yield over, you know, sensing God just speaking to me. You are afraid right now, but the Holy Spirit is absolutely confident and mm-hmm. not afraid and yield to the Holy Spirit and 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 you'll get through this. And I did. Mm-hmm. And I just wa- witnessed miracle after miracle. And so real quickly, I do identify two halves of my life. The first half, I really lived in the bondage to the fear of failure. And um, God worked in spite of me. I, I, I gave my heart to the Lord as, as a 10-year-old. I was called into the ministry as a 17-year-old. And then it wasn't really until I was 30 years old after being a, a Christ follower for 20 years that I really began to understand this whole concept of audacious generosity and mm-hmm. a living relationship with God. And and what really changed in my life whenever I was 30 was this mission trip over to India. And I saw the presence of God in a way that I had never witnessed in the U.S. and had never really been discipled about the, the mission of God and his calling on my life is really first and foremost to pursue his presence. Mm. And unfortunately, because of my childhood and this fear of failure that I had developed, I really experienced my walk with the Lord was based upon my performance. Mm. And and it really wreaked havoc between me and, me and the Lord, mm. uh, unfortunately. And I just had this performance-based relationship with God. After I went over to India and on the way back on the plane ride was when I really uh, had that light bulb moment of committing before the Lord that I would spend the rest of my life pursuing his presence above everything. And that changed my whole philosophy of ministry. Until then, my, I thought God expected me to do something great for him. And I was, I was if, if Paul says he was the chief sinner, I was the chief workaholic for God. And I would agree I was a chief sinner, but I was also also the chief workaholic for God. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, 50 hour a week became 60, became 70, and I nearly killed myself, our marriage and our mm-hmm. family as a result of being in the ministry. Mm-hmm. I did it all in the name of ministry, seriously trying to do a great work for God. But on that plane ride back, there was a work of the Holy Spirit that really gave me the understanding that all God ever wanted was time with me. Mm. 
And all he really wanted was for me to pursue his presence. And that became my ministry. That became my devotional. That became the purpose of me having air in my lungs. The reason I would go to church would be to pursue him. The reason I would give would be to pursue him. And out of that came this, it's hard to describe other than supernatural courage mm. that I'd never really experienced. I had lived with so much insecurity until that point. And then I really found a, a level of freedom uh, of realizing that God loved me, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus had done for me and that his love was never going to increase because of anything that I would do. And it would not decrease because of anything that I would do, that his love was perfect for me. And all of a sudden ministry went from a have to to a get to. And I just found a level of, of freedom that I'd never ever experienced before. And life didn't get rosy red and perfect at that uh, very moment. A couple years later, we actually experienced a financial hardship that was difficult to go through. But as I said, I was free. And for the first time in my life, we got to a place where there was no food in the refrigerator and in the cabinets, but God mm -hmm. led us to pray, Father, give us food for, for others mm -hmm. to have food. And as I, as I prayed that, miracles began to happen where the supernatural proportion of food began to be given to us on a daily basis, and it filled our refrigerator and our cabinets, and then we realized the more we, the more we save it, the more we lose it, and so we need to give it, and the more we gave, the more God gave to us. And when one year we went from a family needing food to being able to share food with over 500 families a month with the help mm -hmm. of 25 volunteer families. And that became known as a ministry called With Love From Jesus Ministries, which is go still going 20 years later in Raleigh, wow. North Carolina. When the red light district in Mumbai, India closed due to COVID-19, it was a true answer to prayer. Unfortunately, the women who were forced into commercial sex work were left abandoned with no means to feed their children. This Valentine's Day, we invite you to share the love of Jesus with vulnerable women by giving them a month of groceries. Your generosity not only blesses the women, but allows the church to make Christ known. $25 provides groceries for a whole month. Give now at globalhopeindia.org slash grocery. That's globalhopeindia.org slash grocery. Happy Valentine's Day. Kevin's new book, Audacious Generosity, was an instant international bestseller on Amazon. Audacious Generosity is now available worldwide on Amazon in paperback, hardback, ebook, and audiobook. You'll find the Audacious Generosity ebook on Apple Books, Kindle, Google Play, and all the popular online ebook stores. The Audacious Generosity audiobook was recorded by Kevin himself and reviewers are loving it. The audiobook can be found online in over 40 audiobook stores worldwide, including Audible, Apple, Google, and more. Buy Audacious Generosity for yourself. Gift it to your family and friends for the holidays. Discover why Audacious Generosity was an instant bestseller. Audacious Generosity is all about you enjoying a living relationship with God that's fueled by courage, characterized by freedom, and overflowing with audacious generosity. Get your copy today.
Now, I, I would love to hear some more details about some of those parts. Can you tell sure. us a little bit about like what led to the financial struggle and what that was like for you? Because I imagine it was difficult. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about that. What what happened and how how did that affect you and, and your wife and your family? Yeah. So obviously there was a come to Jesus moment in the midst of all of this. And that moment was after spending three years of blood, sweat and tears, building a church, uh, planting a church in Cary, North Carolina. We started it from scratch. And three years later, the group of churches that we were serving would actually organize this local church into a local church and the government and leadership would shift from me as the church planter over to a board of elders and a year later they voted to release me as the pastor mm -hmm. and i felt so betrayed by god i was so miserable and frustrated that i had literally been fired from the church that i had planted mm -hmm. and i just felt like god had betrayed me and it was just a few months later that he took me over to india and that's when i really began to see the the value of his presence that i had really been missing the whole time i've been planning this church and becoming more and more of a of a crazy workaholic for for god and i i looked back and i had all these journals of really begging god for his power and begging god for his peace but yet i wasn't really pursuing the presence of god mm -hmm. and when i got back from india that was my total pursuit was just the, the presence of god and and it's in his presence that i found the power and peace that i've been logging for all during that time but instead of really valuing his presence i would get to my to-do list and would skip over really being in the word and being in prayer and being in his presence and i would see that passage unless the lord builds the house they who labor labor in vain but i i couldn't really understand it to a place of resting in him to build that church and mm -hmm. and i became a workaholic it was really by the grace of god that those elders loved me enough to say you need a break from this and this you're, the, you're not you're not handling this well and they released me from that i went to after india i went and was ministered to by a group of counselors that ministers to pastors in our area and they invited me to come on their staff and to pray and counsel with pastors and it was a great um two years of really healing in my life from that traumatic experience. And a couple of men in our church have been underwriting the bulk of our support, uh, serving that, that ministry. And one of the men left the church. We ended up in a place of financial hardship, living with a mortgage. We, we had a, a home that we had bought during that time and a van. And all of a sudden we had only a fraction of income and couldn't wow. pay for really any of our bills. And then we, we ended up not having food in the refrigerator and in the cabinets, but it was in that time that I had I'd, I was really free and I was now pursuing the presence of God. And as I did, I really sensed God speaking to seek him and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. And 
And so as we got to a place of needing food, the burden just grew within me for people that needed food, but did not know that he is an ever, that God is an ever present help in time of need. We needed food, but at least we knew the Lord Jesus. What about those that needed food and they did not know the, the presence of God uh, mm-hmm. in their life? And I just, my heart broke for them. And I literally began praying, Father, give us food that others might eat. Then I went with $4 to one of our local supermarkets and I was just going to buy some of some of their discounted meats or something. And I was walking up the Coca-Cola aisle, uh, the soft drink aisle, and I saw a store employee coming toward me. And without any prior thought, I stopped her and I identified that she was a store employee, the manager of the deli. And I said, what do you do? with your expired products she said we throw it away and i said would you be open to a ministry coming and taking those to families that need it she said sure come back tomorrow i'll talk to the mm-hmm. store manager and i didn't think hardly anything about it. It, was, it was less than a minute conversation but i went back the next day she pointed the three buggies of rotisserie chickens pizza, pasta, everything the deli and bakery sold at this supermarket and said, take it, give it to people that need it. And I took it, we filled up our refrigerator and our cabinets and then realized if you hoard it, it goes away. If you give it away, it comes right back. And the next day it happened again and it happened again. And then, as I said earlier, within a year, we were sharing food with over 500 families a month. And then, so earlier in my ministry, I had read Rick Warren's book, uh, Purpose Driven Life, about how he went, he was called geographically to San Diego. And he described Uh that birthing of the church there as a wave of the Holy Spirit. And I really desired that, but I had no clue how to manufacture that. And you can't, but this was really my first experience of riding a wave of the Holy Spirit. I didn't write a business plan to this feeding ministry. It just fell in my lap. I was pursuing God. He put me in a place of need. It Mm -hmm. it exposed me to the vulnerability of people that needed food. I prayed with compassion for them and and committed, you give me food, I'm going to go feed it to, I'm going to share it with people that need it for your kingdom and he did and it's still going 20 years later that's amazing Uh, you know some some things that really kind of stand out from for me in your story is it sounds like there was a shift in terms of what mattered in ministry so to speak Mm -hmm. um when you were let go from your church i also uh i'm a pastor and was uh Experienced a forced termination uh, mm. from one of my churches, and so mm-hmm. I, I I understand, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at least that mm-hmm. uh, what that feels like uh, at least a bit. And and for me, what it did was it it did it changed in my mind and in my spirit what what matters in ministry. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is what it was for you, but for me, it was it's not about how many people show up on Sunday mornings or or how many you know kids are in vacation Bible school. Of course, the people matter, but that's the thing that changed. It wasn't the numbers, it was the people, and it was fulfilling God's mission in the world, bringing healing and wholeness into the world. Mm-hmm. And so then what I hear, and you can, I'm, I'm reflecting back to you, you can fill that in or change you know, what I'm saying, but you know, then it sounds like God used the, the suffering that you were experiencing and the, the need that you were experiencing to to better understand the suffering and the need in the world so that God could use that to bring healing and wholeness into the world um, 
in your unique way, in the unique way that you've been called to do it, right? Mm -hmm. yes. does, that, does that sound right? That's, yeah. that's what it sounds like to me, what, what happened for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would wholeheartedly resonate with all that you've just shared. I really, as far as what matters, I really came to that place of vulnerability before the Lord and just realizing, you mean I never have to witness to another person and he still mm -hmm. loves me the same? Yeah, I don't have to give an <laughs> offering ever again, and he still yeah. loves me the same. Yeah. And the list could go on and on and on. And it really went from a have to over to a get to. And mm. now I don't think I even saw the value of it then. But now, even earlier in our conversation, we talked about GHI's pivot from being mm. a sending organization to being an access organization. Now, I understand really what matters is God has always been on a mission to extend his presence on the earth mm -hmm. from the Old Testament into the miracles of Jesus into the New Testament. It's always been about extending his presence on the earth as a church planter. Then it was about building that church. And that's not necessarily a bad and evil thing. But it, it, it's not necessarily the right thing if my heart is totally missing what matters to God is his presence in the lives of people. Unfortunately, I remember just being so hurt that some of the people who had voted to dismiss me had really communicated my, like one of the elders said, my father passed away this year and Kevin never really even called me, never grieved with me, never really showed any ounce of care about me. And it was like, I totally missed the opportunity to care for the person that God had put right there in front of me. Yeah. And it was because I was such a busy workaholic that I was bypassing very indirectly. It wasn't that I woke up in the morning with this plan, but, but unfortunately I was just missing the opportunity to care for people. And we've heard it our whole lives. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And I wasn't slowing down enough to even let people know that I cared about them. And yet I did care. I just, my activities, actions speak louder than words. My actions were really, I cared about next Sunday's attendance more than mm -hmm. I did that you were grieving. I cared about next yep. Sunday's offering more than I did that there was a death in your family. Man, you sound just like me. Mm, well, <laughs> like I could I could have said exactly that same thing and been mm. talking about myself. Um, mm -hmm. it, it is interesting how the experience of loss and suffering makes us more compassionate. Mm -hmm. um, because even if we don't understand the other person's pain exactly, uh, because we you know our experience may not have been exactly that, we can we can kind of understand it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we have a sense of what they must be feeling when they experience grief or loss themselves in some way. Like it is, it's strange how, you know, even though I, I hope I never go through anything like that difficult, you know, uh, loss of a ministry again, I'm really grateful for it. Um, and because it, it, it has shaped me into the kind of person who can better be a part of what God is doing in the world but it but it took something really painful to get there right you know what one, one other question i have for you is um when people go through really hard times uh, i think that there are 
two possible outcomes. One is that they're transformed in a really positive way, like you're describing. Mm. And then the other is that they become angry and bitter and cynical. Yeah. Um, and why do you think that the outcome for you was what it was, uh, the very positive kind of outcome rather than the angry, bitter, cynical kind of outcome? I really think the difference for me was being discipled in biblical forgiveness. Mm. This past Monday at our small group, we talked about frustration and how God's path to oppose frustration in our life is forgiveness. If I get mm. frustrated at my wife, I have to forgive. And mm. if she gets frustrated at me, she has to forgive. Mm. And so I, I, for the first time in my Christian walk, I had brothers in Christ lead me through some of Dr. Neil Anderson's um um, material on finding freedom in Christ. And it, they really discipled me and what the Bible says about biblical forgiveness that God has committed not to seek revenge. Mm -hmm. uh, he has agreed to live with the consequences and he has chosen to forgive. And that's what he requires of us when we are told to to forgive one another. Yeah. And then they really led me through uh, a time of prayer of forgiving myself for things, forgiving my father as I was growing up. One of the reasons that I had such a workaholic mentality is my dad's form of discipline was, Kevin, you'll never amount to anything. And so I'm 30 years old, church planter, trying to prove even to my dad and uh, subconsciously that I could amount to something. And it wasn't until I forgave my father that that, mm. that spirit of rejection really broke over my life. And then I forgave false expectations of God. I really felt betrayed of God, but God can't sin against us, but we can come up with these false expectations toward God that yeah. we need to deal with. I remember going into a time of prayer, I was so angry, and that's when you talk about bitterness, I was absolutely bitter. But I came out of that time of prayer free, and the, the path in between was just biblical forgiveness. Oh, that's great. Kevin, you have a, a really powerful story, and um, I really, anyway, appreciate it. And I think that, uh, you know, God works in, I don't want to say in he does work in mysterious ways, but mm -hmm. <laughs> in ways that are unexpected, right? Yes. And, and God can take some really difficult things and bring so much good out of it. And that's what I have heard in your story today, and also what I, I read in, in the book, uh, Audacious Generosity. And so thank you for being here today and, uh, and just for telling your story. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Wow, what an honor to be featured on Spiritual Life and Leadership Podcast with Marcus Watson. I highly recommend the whole interview to you. It's episode 90 on Spiritual Life and Leadership Podcast with Marcus Watson. Hey everyone, open your hands to God and I'll see you back here next week on Audacious Generosity Podcast. God bless you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Audacious Generosity podcast. Join us next week as we open our hands up to God and let Him fill them for the Great Commission. <laughs>